Welcome to Leeds Lit Fest 2020. The podcast you're about to hear was made by Chapel FM, commissioned by Leeds Lit Fest and funded by Leeds Inspired, part of Leeds City Council. Each writer profile was recorded on location in an environment in or around the city of Leeds, chosen by the writer. All events in Leeds Lit Fest 2020, March 4th to the 8th, can be booked at www.leedslitfest.co.uk. Betty came by on her way Said she had a word to say About things today And fallen leaves Said she hadn't heard the news So welcome to the fifth of these writer profile podcasts for Leeds Lit Fest and well we're in a very beautiful place actually it's one of my, my favorite places too but James Nash who's with us today hello James hello lovely to be here is <laughs> going to tell us uh, about this place James James yeah well, where are we what can you see from where we are what I can see is a most extraordinary room with kind of cloistered arches, a bit like being in a kind of Greek church, but it's got wonderful tiles over the ceiling and over the walls. And we're in the Tiled Hall Cafe of um, Leeds Art Gallery, Leeds Library. And when I first came to Leeds in 1971, you could see it as a sort of cobwebby, um, dark little place that nobody had used for probably 60 years. It's completely beautiful. I mean, it's, um, it's part and parcel of a complex of buildings that have meant so much to me in my nearly 50 years of living in Leeds. These huge um, civic buildings which are exuding kind of civic pride and Victorianness. That's I've just made up a word there, Peter. Is that okay? So, so James, since you've mentioned coming here to Leeds 50 years ago. What, what brought you here? I came to do an MA. Um, I've been at Birmingham and um, I thought with MAs you do a thing for a year and then you, you disappear off. I was going to say another word then but I, I got disappearing instead. You disappear off to do something else and I came to Leeds and within three months I felt almost wedded to the city, um, walking across Woodhouse Moor to lectures and seminars in the morning from where I lived in Royal Park Road. Um, This wonderful interconnected set of Victorian buildings, the old education offices, just part of the library where I had my medical before I became a teacher. These are all places that are are rich for me. And the town hall, um, which was completely black when I arrived in 1971. I mean, I think you, in terms of Leeds, people tend to identify you with Headingley. And, um, yeah, what does Headingley mean to you as a place? Headingley, Leeds 6, generally, um, is the place where I have lived for nearly 50 years, where I have been married innumerable times and lived in different houses, um, where I, two of the schools I worked at were based, um, and where a network of friends and family 
have lived and still live. It's, it's so connected. And I travel around Leeds on my bike generally. So every cycle ride through Headingley and Leeds 6 and into Leeds itself is just packed with memories and packed with, oh, I remember when, or that was a great party, or there's the bear pit, you know, on Cardigan Road. It's all memories like that. Sometimes I cycle home a different way through this city that I've loved so long, as if to take it by surprise and see an older side and hear a distant song. This used to be a town of striking clocks that sounded the quarters, halves and hours. Newspaper sellers sold their wares in flocks to folk out shopping. There were flowers too, rag and bone men rattled down the street but now the city seems almost swept clean of historic sights and sounds I used to meet, extinct, no longer witnessed, no longer seen. Perhaps one day I'll take a corner fast and ambush a Leeds I thought was past. And of course it's a sonnet. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a kind of addiction, really, and um, I'm, I shouldn't be proud about this because I should be ringing somebody on a helpline. Because about 14 years ago, I started writing sonnets, um, and I can't write anything else. I once said at a conference of neurosurgeons, um, I don't know what I was doing there, but I was, and I said to this group of um, neurosurgeons, I've written so many sonnets, I think I've reconfigured the neural pathways of my brain, which is a quite a pretentious thing to say. And the neurosurgeons all nodded. They clearly thought I had reconfigured the neural pathways of my brain. So I, I find myself at a loss to write anything else. Gonna see the river man Gonna tell him all I can About the band Feeling free If he tells me all he knows About the way his river flows I don't suppose Um, Nick Drake was um, somebody that I discovered, or he was there to be discovered, in 1968-69. He never really um, got the acclaim he deserved in his lifetime. He lived a very short and very productive life. He was brilliant, a genius, sort of Keatsian genius. Um, and I started listening to him again about 15 years ago, and I don't think... Um, a week goes by without me listening to either um, Five Leaves Left or is it Pink Moon? I think, yeah. And I can't not listen to. He's a genius and the voice is lovely, the words are lovely. He's dealing with the stuff that poets and writers and artists always deal with, which is love and mortality. I love him. It's related to me. Um, I discovered him first in Birmingham, but I rediscovered him in Leeds, particularly. Um, listened to him a lot over the last 30 years. Um, he said things to me about 
um, loneliness, um, reconnecting, and I suppose I associate it with my coming out in 91. Um, when I actually thought, come on, no shilly-shallying, it's time to actually get this thing sorted. So Nick, Nick Drake is part of that whole coming out thing. I have no idea whether he was gay or straight, but there's something about his sensibility that appealed to me. So we've come out of the snow and the rain, the kind of horizontal weather, and James Nash has brought us to another of his favourite places. So James, tell us about where we are. We're in the um, Victorian splendor of um, Leeds Town Hall, a place to which over the years I've brought many hundreds of children to wander around and scurry and look at and wonder. But a place that I first saw when I came to Leeds in 1971 and it was totally black before it had been cleaned and it seemed to represent a kind of northernness that I hadn't been aware of before um, and you know, it's a favorite building. I cycle past it probably once or twice a week on the way from Headingley and always give it a kind of little wave of my head. But it's also the place where in I think 2006, um, David and I celebrated our civil partnership in um, one, of the, one of the big rooms. Um, and you know, 200 of our closest friends were here and it was an amazing experience actually being in this place, this favorite building, and seeing my big brothers on the front row, um, seeing my family there, seeing my friends there, um, in what I think is probably my favorite building in Leeds. Where you said 200 of my closest friends. I, I, wonder <laughs> I said that with a bit of irony. Um, I, apparently, I have about 2,000 friends on Facebook. I don't know who half of them are. <laughs> Before we go into the, into the biggest room yeah. in the town hall, you've mentioned several times your teaching, and I, you still do a great deal of work with, with young people and with children. I mean, this is important to you. I think it's a kind of lifeblood, really. Um, I love teaching. I was a special needs teacher. I was deputy head of a high school. I work with challenging um, young people in challenging situations. And when I came back into being invited into schools and working with young people, it seemed to marry both parts of my life, the teaching part and the writing part, the creative part, and sharing some of that with youngsters. And often in primary schools, and I'm secondary trained, has been one of my greatest joys in the last 20 years. Do you find it you can do something as a poet in schools that you couldn't do as a teacher? Yeah, and I also think as somebody who's done an enormous amount of performing, that performing has actually made me a much um, more risk-taking teacher in the classroom and prepared to be much more myself in front of the kids than I probably was when I was Big Sir in a high school. Well, we're in a place of performance, the town hall in Leeds, so we're going to move off into the Victoria Hall where I think they are setting something up for tonight, so let's go and disturb them.
it's um I, I'm usually here for some kind of event, but when it's empty, it seems even more impressive. Do you remember when you first came in and saw something here, James? Um, it was a concert, a classical music concert, probably about 1974, and I was sitting up in the seats just below the organ. Um, I think it was Russian music. It was completely fabulous but it was also wonderfully intimate in a way that I wasn't expecting, as well as um, have it, having the kind of sensation of being inside a wedding cake. It's just so ornate and extraordinarily over the top, but still beautiful. I mean, if for people who don't know Leeds Town Hall, I wonder if you could just describe a little on the hoof what you can see. Okay, we've got a huge organ. Um, organ pipes that seem to be decorated with gold leaf, sort of a kind of leafy design. Um, a ceiling which is arched and carved and ornate. Um, pink marble columns, which possibly is a paint effect. Um, and little um, balconies um, issuing out into the hall. And then a whole rows and rows and rows of seats for the classical concerts, which are, I'm sitting in one now, far more comfortable than the seats they used to have 40 plus years ago. It's fabulous. There are words carved around or painted, I should say, um, next to the pillars. Can you read some of them out, James? Yeah, a trial by jury, so that's sort of Gilbert and Sullivan, I think. Um, there's, a, um, there's some Latin to make us all feel as if we know what we're talking about. Um, goodwill towards all men, presumably, up there. So they're kind of um, they're the, the equivalent of those um, Victorian um, pictures that people used to have above their bed, which said things like, trusting God um, or fear the Lord and have no other fear. They're kind of inspirational Victorian sayings. Some in Latin to make you feel clever. <laughs> you said a bit earlier on that the, the town hall kind, or this, these buildings encapsulated a kind of northernness. And you, you, you're, you're a southerner, is that I'm, I'm a complete southerner. And I hope that didn't come over as being patronising. It wasn't meant to be at all. I mean, I'm not ever going to be allowed to be a Yorkshireman. You have to be born here. But if we talk about where I feel at home, I feel at home in... London. I feel at home in Cardiff, where my father's family comes from. Cardiff! Um, but I f am at home. I am home in Leeds and Yorkshire. Um, and for me, that sort of um, northernness, Yorkshireness, is part of who I am now. So you go down to the shore, kid stuff. Don't you know there's Okay, my last collection of sonnets was called A Bench for Billie Holiday. Um, she was um, an icon for me from the um, early 60s when I was um, a young boy growing up in West London. Um, and she's very urban. 
and she's very real and she was very brave and she was an activist in many, many ways. And she caught the attention of a young composer in the 1930s called Leonard Bernstein and he wrote um, the song Big Stuff, which is not a great song. She sang all the greatest songs. Um, she sang all of Porter and Berlin and Gershwin and she sang them most beautifully. But I really like her version of Big Stuff, which I think was recorded for Decca um, in the early to mid 40s. Um, and I was in Harlem for my 70th birthday last year. And I always go to, if I marry him in that part of New York, I always think of Billy Holiday. Don't you dare square about so James, in terms of your poetry, you've, you've mentioned that you were a teacher um, and you're obviously very involved in that and you left for, for, obvious, for, for reasons that you've, you've spoken about before. But in terms of the writing, where did that come from? When, when did that start? It started pretty much the moment I finished teaching. Um, I think I, I mean, I, the kind of teaching I did, I was a manager of a school for a long, long time, but before that I was working. Um, I ran a PRU uh, for children who had been excluded from schools. I worked um, as a special needs teacher and, and a head of year in comprehensive schools. And the kind of work I was doing used up huge amounts of creativity. Um, and I don't think it's a coincidence that the moment I stopped teaching was the moment that I started writing because I think it's the same kind of creativity and the same kind of energy um, that I was using up in the classroom and working with those challenging but often very adorable young people who you know, one was able to do things with. Um, so I stopped teaching and it was like um, uh, cliches a crowding to the front of my mouth it was like a dam had burst um, it was I had so much to write about it coincided with me coming out it coincided with me questioning um, my past life my sexuality where I was going life felt adventurous but it also felt quite challenging and poetry stories too and a little bit of journalism helped me kind of locate myself in what I still refer to as my new life but my new life actually started 30 years ago so writing found me a place to be um, I've talked about Leeds as being home but writing is also home um, it's a place where which I inhabit which gives me enormous amounts of pleasure and a feeling of connection to the world, the city and the countryside, the seaside. And people, audiences, readers, connect very emotionally with your work. I think that's something that could be said about you. I don't set out to make people cry. Um, I don't set out to make myself cry. Um, but sometimes I think, um, we were talking about Nick Drake earlier, he connects directly to the feeling and I think sometimes when one of my poems works it connects directly to the feeling. Sometimes that's humor because I use humor too um, but people, I used to worry about grueling people in an audience but it's a bit like um, seeing a film which you go on a journey in a film and it can be, end most sadly but 
it feels like the right thing. You trust the director and the actors to take you there. And I think if you get it right in your writing, you're taking your audience on a journey. It's not a fake journey. It's got truth and honesty in it. And at the end of it, they've had a little experience um, of the 30 seconds it takes to get in and out of a sonnet, probably 25 seconds. I think um, one, of the, um, one of the great discoveries in the last 15 years has been the East Coast, particularly in the East Riding of Yorkshire. Um, and I've um, discovered um, a kind of an interest in nature and in countryside and in the sea, which as a completely urban person I never realized I had. But there are still places um, in Leeds that I think I'll just cycle out to Holbeck or I'll just have a little pedal around Beeston and just have a look at some of those buildings and try and discover some of the lives and stories that will have been lived there because, you know, there are some wonderful old school buildings, there are brilliant kind of parades of shops, there are little signs of um, Victorian industrialism. Um, they're all there um, and I would like to get out there and write about some of them. This, you, you've written and talked very, very uh, lyrically about the sea and how much it means to you. Yeah, um, it's, um, we were at the seaside at, uh, in Bridlington, East Yorkshire, most weekends. Um, and apart from this Sunday morning when we would have been blown off from the cliffs at Flamborough, um, we normally would take the dog and go for a walk in the nature reserve at South Landing, which is probably my favorite place in the whole world. Um, but instead, there was a kind of half an hour of sunshine on Sunday afternoon, and we whizzed down to Dane which is a cove along from the South Landing, and we caught the sun, we caught the sea, which was wild, um, and we caught the early, early um, snowdrops and um, aconites, and it was half an hour of complete heaven. So, James, finally, I mean, you've been here 50 years, so you've been writing for, uh, for a long time and taking part in various literature events around the city. We now have a Leeds Lit Fest, which is two years old this year. So, yeah, how does that feel to have a festival that unites all those small festivals? I just think it's brilliant um, because we have in Leeds um, a community of writers and a community of readers, and they overlap. And I think a celebration of um, Leeds as a place, and a place where literary things can happen, um, where people can meet and talk about books and writing and reading, is just a brilliant, brilliant thing. I mean, it's a wonderful city. It's got a rich cultural life. Um, I think it's fabulous that it's, um, it's in its second year. Last year was a blast. This year looks to be even better. Time has told me You're a rare, fine Trouble cure For a troubled mind This came as um, 
as part of a project where um, poets from Leeds are engaging with poets from Dortmund as part of a, um, a brilliant project um, at Chapel FM. Um, and this was my introductory poem, and it'll probably be the introductory poem to my next collection. It's called City Stories. So, City, will you show me who you are and have been? Allow me to make a start, to walk your streets, to stop and stare, a poet's stethoscope to track your heart. I will map the places where you and I have met, the nighttime square, the morning bike ride, the gothic archway, the tower block set with motorway booming at its side, the club, the bar, the bright green of park, the filth and beauty of these urban lives where some feast on carrion in the dark, and hope is a train that never arrives. If you trust me enough, I will try to tell stories of renewal and tell them well. The podcast you've just heard was made by Chapel FM, commissioned by Leeds Litfest and funded by Leeds Inspired, part of Leeds City Council. Each writer profile was recorded on location in an environment in or around the city of Leeds, chosen by the writer. All events in Leeds Litfest 2020, March 4th to the 8th, can be booked at www.leedslitfest.co.uk.